Good morning, everyone. The more handsome preacher, Pastor Dr. Billy Lai, will be back next week. But today we launch a new series called Discerning the Times. And the Bible is full of scriptures that help us to become aware of the season or the time that we are living in. And sometimes we are not aware of the season we are living in. But I believe as we enter into this season, a season of leadership transition, not only in our spiritual house, but also our state. And I believe that as we go through the next several weeks in this prophetic series, I believe that God is calling us to continue to fix our eyes on him, to walk with a greater sense of urgency and a greater sense of obedience to his word. Can I hear a strong amen this morning? You know, over two and a half years ago, we all had to live through this. We heard the early rumblings of a virus that was coming across the globe, and we were thrust into a global pandemic. This pandemic has wrecked havoc in every sphere of society, in our businesses, in our lives, in education, in our communities, in government, and has turned the world upside down. But as things have shifted coming out of this pandemic, many people, where there is a vacuum where times are, people are facing crisis and uncertainty, it creates a vacuum. And when there is a vacuum, people will step into the vacuum to power grab, being led by greed. And we see throughout history, and we see now even in the state of Hawaii, where there is aloha, we are now seeing the uncovering of a lot of greed and corruption in government, in law, in, in medicine, in media, in so many places, and unfortunately, even in the church. But as we move forward into this season, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. No matter what happens, no matter the season of uncertainty, no matter the season of challenge that we may walk through, because when those seasons of crisis and uncertainty come our way, it actually sets the stage for a sovereign, special move of God. And how many can say we need the move of God now more than ever? Five of us. How many can say we need the move of God now more than ever? Come on now. Right? Because we're facing the worst, right? In 40 years, the highest rate of inflation. That we are facing a threat of an economic recession. And so many people can live in fear. But I believe God is calling the church, his bride, to live with the heart of faith. Early in the pandemic, this phrase, faith over fear. And we need to keep on living that mantra. We need to keep on living with faith. Turn to the person next to you and say, live with faith. Come on, let's say it a little bit more faithful. Come on, live with faith. And I believe that now more than ever, God is calling us as his people to redeem the time. And to live with a sense of urgency. That things are accelerating. Things are moving. I am now... 53 years old. Woo! Time has flown by. How many can say, man, it's, it's already August, right? I think some of you think it's still February, <laughs> right? We're like, where's Christmas? No, Christmas has come and gone, right? And so things are accelerating, and things are moving, and we need to move in the timing and season of God. Well, Israel, God's chosen people, for 40 years in the Bible, they lived in the season of prosperity and success under the leadership of probably the wisest man who ever lived on the face of the planet, King Solomon, King David's son. And he led them. But in the time of prosperity and success, Jesus, God, comes and gives a forewarning to his people that in the midst of prosperity and success and wealth, and fame and power, people can easily drift. And so we read here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. Many of us know, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit, Lord, our lives to you afresh. 
We commit this series, Lord God, this prophetic series, Lord God. Let our hearts be open. Let our ears be sensitive, Lord God. And even as you, Lord God, spoken to us out of the book of Revelation, let them, those who have ears, let them hear. And we pray that, Lord, as you speak, we will listen. We will obey. And, Lord God, we will apply your word. We commit this time for your glory and into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. We all together say Amen and amen. Prophet Jim LaFoon, who's part of our Every Nation spiritual family, probably one of the leading prophets in the entire world. There's a lot of prophets out there, or a lot of people who think they are prophets, and sometimes they are weird. <laughs> prophets are weird, right? They're seers, they're hearers of God directly, and they are able to prescribe the season that the people of God or the nation or society will be coming into. So Prophet Jim LaFoon on June 9th had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ came to him in a vision. And so a couple of weeks ago, he actually described what he saw and what he encountered to our Every Nation family of churches and our leadership body in Orlando. And so I'm going to read excerpts from it because I believe it sets the tone where we are as a nation. So I'm going to read this. Jim, this is Jesus talking to Jim. None of this, the crisis, the situations that have wrecked havoc in the world, took my father and I by surprise. We knew that faith would die in the old world. It was our plan all along to plant it anew in the new world. We chose to use America to reach the world. We have sent revival after revival to your shores. No army or people could ever destroy America. Only Americans could destroy America. And that is what has happened. With these words ringing in my ears, Jesus stopped and looked up into heaven, and he began to pray, please, Father, one more time, one more time, one more time. We know this to be true. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he sat at the right, throne, right hand of God and became our chief intercessor, praying for us. Then I realized he was asking his Father to send another revival from heaven. His petition seemed to go on endlessly, yet he never lost his passion. Finally, the Lord spoke from heaven, okay, one last time. So Jim asked Jesus, when will this revival begin? He said, the first drops are already falling. Suddenly, an unusual large raindrop fell from heaven right next to Jesus' dusty feet. Much to my amazement, it did not evaporate immediately, but glistened in the, heart of the hot burning sunshine, and it created a dome-like canopy over the parched ground. Then Jesus spoke to me again and said, tell my church to create cisterns of what is called spiritual water storage systems to trap the first drops of revival rain. These words left me with an unusual sense of urgency. I realized we had to create fresh space in our churches for the Holy Spirit to move and touch lives. Many churches have put the Holy Spirit aside. I believe now God is asking the church to put the Holy Spirit back in the church. Can I hear amen? The Holy Spirit impressed upon me that without these first drops, our people would not have the spiritual strength they needed to press in for the fullness of the outpouring which would come soon. As this vision was coming to an end, the Holy Spirit spoke these words to me repeatedly. It is not business as usual. It is not business as usual. It is not business as usual. Two nights later, while I was praying, I heard these words ringing in my spirit, inflection point. I realized both the church in America and the nation of America had reached a critical point. In closing, in his talk to the every nation pastors, it says, no matter how you perceive America's past, present, or future, her vital role in our larger world is hard to dispute. Despite our country's spiritual and moral decline, America remains the world's greatest missionary sending nation. It is also the world's primary bulwark against the brutality of a totalitarian nation, bent, nations bent on regional and or global domination and conquest. May God grant us the strength we need to respond to him in this hour. Prophet Jim goes on and says, America is at an inflection point where things could go south, get worse, or things could get better. But it depends on the response of the bride of Christ, the global church, and how we live. Will we live with a fervor, 
a greater passion for God. And as we develop a greater passion for God, it will determine the direction of this nation. And I believe this, God's mercy is pointing to what could be a final revival that will come upon this nation. It's coming. And I believe that God is sovereignly looking at his church to see how we will respond in this hour, in this season. Whether we will walk by faith and trust him at his word. Whether we will obey him at his word. Whether we will seek him and not turn from him. Whether we will, whether we will walk with fervency and passion more than ever. As things open up in society, we see a lot of complacency happening. We see a lot of revenge travel, revenge vacations, revenge, a lot of things that couldn't be done over the last two and a half years. But I'm calling on us as Pearlside Church to be the vanguard, to live with a greater sense of urgency as we step into this new season of transition. I believe this, one of the first signs of the acceleration of God's move on our nation was the overturning of Roe versus Wade. I know it's a very controversial subject. And I want to just speak to that just a bit, not from a political standpoint, but with a heart that says, people of God, it is time for us to not walk in arrogance and pride, but to walk in humility and serve people. I know that the his, this was a historical pivot point in a direction by the highest court of law in our nation. But it's, very, it's a very biblical stand, a stand for the sanctity of life. And it's very clear in Scripture how God judges a society and a nation where unborn children are sacrificed and young children are harmed or killed. It's uh, throughout the Bible. It's very clear. And I don't believe the church should celebrate like they won the Super Bowl. I had some of my Christian friends celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. I'm like, no, don't do that. We should walk with humility. We should walk and serve with love. Can I hear amen? Can I hear stronger amen? All right. To come alongside families and signal pregnant moms and couples who have to carry the burden of a, a, a great decision. And as we walk forward and as we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, maybe God might ask you to get involved. I look at my own life. Many of you know my story. I don't know my birth parents. I don't know my birth dad. I don't know my birth mom. I don't know where I come from. I don't even know if I have a birth certificate because <laughs> I can't find it. <laughs> Right? I have no history if I have siblings or not. I don't. I don't know where I came from, whether I was left on the sidewalk, what happened. If I, what, I don't know anything of my birth and my history. But I'm so glad that I was not given up. I'm so glad that I was somehow I landed in the hands of an American missionary couple. From what I told, took me in. I don't know how they got me. I don't know how they found me. But I was brought into their home and eventually brought into my adopted parents' home here in Hawaii. And I'm so glad. I, I, couldn't even, I can't even phantom what, where I would be if my birth mom said, I can't have you. I look at Pastor Camille who's sitting in the back. I, know, I saw her in the back earlier. When the doctor said on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the carrying her fifth child said, your life is in danger if you continue this pregnancy. You need to abort. And she said, heck no. Heaven no. <laughs> I was going to see something else, but I realized we're recording for online purposes. And I want that sound bite in every TikTok video out there. She said, heaven, no. I'm going to stand in prayer. I'm going to stand and believe. And I'm so glad Pastor Key was born. Now pastoring our newest church plant in Kaneohe. I'm not making a political statement because I believe that we need to walk. I, 27 years of pastoring, I've had conversations with parents, with single moms, with medical professionals, 
having conversations like this on what to do. And I said, my job is not to judge. My job is to pray and support you. Whatever decision you make, let me give you some scriptural underpinnings, but ultimately, I stand with whatever decision you make. And I'm going to love you no matter what happens. Maybe for some of you, it might be saying, hey, I can help a practical way. Maybe for some of you, God is calling you to become a foster parent. Open up your home for foster kids. Because with the overturning of this rule, we know this. The foster care system is at its breaking point. I've had 15 foster kids come into our home. Wednesdays, which is my longest day because I'm in staff meetings all day, I walk into my home and lo and behold, there's a child there. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> On Wednesdays, every Wednesday, I hold my breath when I get home because either there's a new child or there's a new dog in my house, okay? And I don't know what my wife is doing. Sometimes she doesn't call me all day on Wednesday because she knows how I might react. And so she says, better not just to tell you. You just show up and there you go. All right. Maybe it's to serve at a crisis pregnancy center. Whatever it is. Okay. I'm not making this a, a statement. I'm not getting on my soapbox. I'm just saying this as an example among many other examples how we as a church to serve with humility, love with compassion. Can I hear a strong Amen. But I believe this, the move of God that is coming and the longevity and the powerful move that will come will be determined by our response as the church and how devoted we live according to his word. So four things that we can learn from this particular passage of scripture and the lessons of the people of Israel. Number one, God is sovereign and is awakening his people. God is sovereign and is awakening his people. We go back to verse 13. It says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. When things go from bad to worse, God warns and he allows the crisis to be like an alarm clock sounding. Like a klaxon being on level 10. The alarm is sounding. The trumpet is sounding. And we as his people have to arise and wake up and not hit the snooze button of life. Come on. And sometimes we allow the opportunities that God brings across our path. And God says, I'm allowing these opportunities to come across your path so that you can step into the moment with the empowerment of my grace. But it first starts with people that will awaken themselves and arise before it is too late. Complacency has replaced urgency. I remember at the onset of the pandemic, right, March of 2020, we all know this. We all lived through this. There was that stay at home, shelter in place, shut it down, right? Businesses closed, streets were empty. I remember I was able to kind of drive to the groceries because that's the only place you could go, right, legally, Right? Besides the beach and everybody was confused where the water line meets the sand and all of that. And you had to run into the water or else you could get cited by the police. I don't understand all of that. Right? How many were confused by all that, right? I'm not an outdoors person, so I'm like, water line? What the heck is a water line, okay? But there was a healthy fear. There was. And that healthy fear drove us to a place of relying on God. We had uh, nights of prayer and fasting, right? Second Chronicles 7.14 actually ignited the 714 prayer global movement. It did. It united churches across the globe, spurred, initiated by Prophet Jim LaFoon, but executed by one of America's leading pastors, Chris Hodges. And people came to Christ. And people were praying and calling on the, the name of God to, to move and decimate this virus. And it was wonderful because people were praying with fervency and passion. But now, two years later, I feel like that fervency and passion has waned. Fire in people's lives has gone dim and cold. And I believe it is the God's warning of, of his alarm clock blaring and saying, people, it's time to wake up. It's not time to slumber. 
It's time to arise in faith and make a stand in society because the church is the last stand. It's the last line of defense against the onslaught of the enemy. And it's time. Tell the person next to you, it is time. And I believe that God is mercifully sounding his spiritual alarm and awakening his people. And God always starts with his bride, the church, to awaken us out of our slumber and into a spiritual fervency and urgency. 1 Timothy 2. I'm sorry. The second thing is this. God is our source, and he is calling our lives to be filled with prayer and repentance. Verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... History, history's pattern is once God moves and blesses his people, his church looked to the blessings and not the blesser. Bless me, O oh God. Heal me, O oh God. Move in my marriage. Move in my family. Lord, it's all about me. And we forget the blesser. And the focus of devotion becomes lost. Once the church forgets who they are, deceit, corruption, immorality, greed, and control overtakes society. And I believe this, the cycle is repeating again. And it's time because God is calling his bride and his church to live with humility, with prayer, and a repentant heart. The Apostle Paul, who in the backdrop of a Roman government and empire, the greatest military power of that day, which ruled the earth for a thousand years, he pens this letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he says this, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Everybody say all people. All people for kings and all who are in high places that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Our quality of life is tied directly to praying for our leaders, praying for kings, praying for those in authority, because only God can change a heart of a person. Trust me, Twinkle has tried her best to change my heart. <laughs> it has failed. And I have tried my best to change her heart. I have failed. Come on now. Look at your spouse, right? You said, you have tried. It has failed. <laughs> we try to change the people's hearts, but only God can change a person's heart. Right? And for our rulers and leaders of our state, of our government, we can't change their heart. Only God can change their heart. It's like Proverbs says, God changes the person's heart just like rivers of water. He does the guiding. He does the leading, and only he can do the changing. Because I believe this. As we pray, God moves and brings salvation. I remember Pastor Norman tells a story of meeting me at Grace Bible Church, Honolulu, which planted Grace Bible Church Pearlside back at the time, now rebranded as Pearlside Church. And he said, I met you when you were four years old with Coke bottle glasses. I don't remember that at all because I always thought I was a handsome guy. Um, I don't remember wearing Coke bottle glasses, but I guess so. He said I did, and maybe I did. I don't have pictures. There was no Facebook uh, back then, so there's, if it's not on Facebook, it wasn't real, okay? <laughs> uh, if you ever have a picture of me like that, please don't put it on the, on the Internet, okay? Um, and so... I remember as a four, five, six, seven-year-old elementary young uh, kid, I remember being dragged, okay, literally dragged, forced by my parents to go to the prayer room before services. And so um, there was a special designation uh, of a room right outside of the sanctuary. Uh, it would be called the Diamond Head. We had a Diamond Head prayer room and the Ever prayer room. And you had to be in prayer an hour before the service, woo, an hour. Everybody say an hour, okay? And so I was a young kid, okay? Let me tell you, I fought, I slept, okay? I cried, I grumbled my way in the entire hour, all right? And then we had, worship was not 15 minutes, three songs back in the day. Worship was one hour, woo, 
Woohoo! Baby. All right? I, and we couldn't eat. I said, I didn't even have my breakfast yet. All right? And so it was one hour of prayer on your knees. Okay? Can you imagine? Can you imagine your own child who's six, seven years old is trying to kneel down for an hour of prayer? Come on now. All right? And then an hour of worship. People have told me, sometimes my parents used to sit on the second row, and people have told me this. As a young child, you used to crawl under the chairs and end up in the back row. <laughs> That's the kind of kid I was. But it marked me. An hour of prayer before an hour of worship. And I remember this. The preacher spoke an hour too. Just like I'm about to do today. No, no, just joking, just joking. I'm seeing start people crawling out the seats. Right. But what marked me and left an indelible mark in my life was this. There was a passion for God. And because, because of experiencing it as a young child, it has never left me. I am now able to just wait on the Lord and pray without getting fidgety or antsy. Okay, God, I, I just pray for 30 seconds. Isn't that enough? And sometimes I believe this, as God calls his people to a time of prayer and interceding for society, standing in the gap for society, because we can look at all the breaking news around us and be discouraged and be fearful. And God says, don't be fearful, be faithful. Stand in the gap for your people. Stand in the gap for your nation. Stand in the gap for your state, because we are the last line of defense. And I remember those moments of just praying and seeking the Lord. I was taught to pray. I experienced the move of God, and that left a mark on me where I am not fidgety. I can pray. I love to pray because I need, I need, I need the move and power of the Holy Spirit in my life or I can't do this thing called life. Come on now. Someone say Amen. And we can't stand against the onslaught of the enemy without the power and presence of God. Third thing is this. God is merciful and desires and wants to heal our country. Wants to heal our country. Verse 14 says, Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Human responsibility and the prescription of the move of God is that his people will pray. They will humble themselves. They will turn from their wicked ways. Then God's sovereignty and presence and power kicks in. I will heal. I will hear. I will forgive. And I will heal. Preparing the hearts and soil for people to receive Christ. But this healing... And the move of the, the presence and power of God is tied to a prerequisite. If my people, if my people, then I will. If my people, then I will. And I believe that's the clarion call for all of us today. That we, his people, start to pray. Start to walk with humility. Start to seek his face and have a greater passion and devotion to him. Not letting the cares of this life seep into our hearts. But stand firm on his word. Continue to walk in faith. Continue to walk in obedience to his word. Turn to him. Put aside our wicked ways. Then he will hear. Then he will move. Then he will pour out. His presence in your life, in your home, in your community, in your business, in your campus, on society, in this state, and in this nation. Can I hear amen? This is a powerful conjunction if it is based on human responsibility. And when we do our part, God will do his part. If we respond, God will revive us. And it's time for us to wake up as a church. And I believe that this series, this prophetic series that will take us through the end of August will be a series that will wake us up because it is time. And finally, God works through his people and wants us to act. Out of the time of prayer and encountering his spirit comes action and obedience 
Paul the Apostle writes this in word of encouragement to the church of Ephesus because he knew in the midst of the backdrop of the oppressive Roman Empire, it was not a physical battle, but it was a spiritual battle. So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Everybody say stand. Stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand firm. We are in a spiritual battle. And we are at an inflection point in our nation. And how we respond with fervency and passion for the Lord will determine the course of our nation. And I believe this. If we are not ready, the revival that comes upon this nation will be short. But if we are ready and we have, uh, we're walking with faith and passion and fervency and obedience to his word, the outpouring of his spirit will be extended. Opening up the window for a greater length of time for people to come to Christ. But it is determined by our response now more than ever. We are battling for the eternal destiny of people all around us. And my question to all of us is, are we ready? Are we ready? Because it is a fight, and it is on, and it is game time. I think sometimes we let life pass us by, and we let things happen to us. God's alarm clock, the alarm bell, the siren is blaring. And we cannot turn a deaf ear to it. We need to have spiritual eyes and a sensitive heart to what he is saying. To turn our prayers not from blessing, but intercession. This past Wednesday, Pastor Norman led us in a time of prayer. And usually we have a leadership thought from one of the pastors on, on staff. And then we pray according to that leadership thought. But he said, today, all we're going to do is intercede but we're going to first start with confession. And we all had to kneel down, those of us that could. And I was kneeling down right there. And let me tell you, my knees hurt. <laughs> I have bad knees from all the athletics I did as a kid. It's coming back to me. But I knew this. Sometimes our posture as a church, not this church, but sometimes we want to demonstrate. We want to stand up. We want to pick it for what we believe is our rights. No. We have to serve God. We just have to serve others. And probably the best posture is not demonstration, but it's with reverence and intercession. And I remember this as I was kneeling and as we were praying, yes, my knees hurt. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I had to will myself, Lord God, come. Come, Lord. And then we had to offer up prayers of repentance for our nation. And it took us a while. It took us a while. But there was a point. When the Spirit of God dropped in, and you could sense the Spirit of God. A couple of our staff members, they were starting to travail, weeping, the move of God. And I think as a nation, we have forgotten that. What it is to persevere in prayer. What it is to be able to humble ourselves before Almighty God. To pray prayers of intercession and confession versus prayers of just personal blessing. We've forgotten that. 
And I believe that God is calling us as his church to come back to that. If my people will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then I will pour out my spirit. And we are there now as a nation. It is a turning point and an inflection point. And it is determined by our response. Because out of prayer, God empowers us then to stand for what is right. Not in arrogance or pride, but with humility and love. Because there is a time when we need to stand. And I believe some people are sleeping, like some of you now. <laughs> and God is calling the bride, the church, to stand up. Pastor Cheon, who was here about, I think, a couple months ago, um, wrote a wonderful book. And it's his latest book, says, Turning Our Nation Back to God. But he is the pastor of Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California, and over the global uh, family of churches known as Harvest International Ministry. And he is a wonderful man. He spoke at Grace Bible Church Honolulu back in the day when I was young. I do remember him in, in some level speaking to us. But he had to take a stand against the governmental overreach from Governor Gavin Newsom in California. Um, back then, 49 states, we were kind of starting to open, and we were able to meet. I remember in June of 2020, right, the end of that, is that I'm trying to remember, the later, later part of June 2020, we were able to open up, right, to have worship services once again. But I, it, it was weird because how many remember all the mandates and could, could understand all the mandates, right? If you didn't understand what the waterline meant for the mandates at the beach, we certainly didn't understand the, the, the mandates for worship services, right? Because it said you couldn't sing, right? If you're six feet, right, to each someone else next to you, and then the worship team had to have uh, a plexiglass, right? I remember we didn't even have plexiglass. That's how bad we were. We had a shower curtain. The worship team <laughs> had to stand behind a shower curtain. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And the lights would hit it, and you couldn't see it. That's someone back there singing, right? It was, it was, no, I couldn't even understand the mandates. If you could, and God bless you, but we couldn't. And so Pastor Cheon said, enough is enough. Other states are opening up. Governor Newsom, you're allowing strip clubs. You're allowing bars to remain open because they are essential to society. Hmm. So he took a stand. He took a stand. Took it all the way up to the Supreme Court. Took on the state of California. Took on Gavin, Governor Gavin Newsom. And the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Pastor Cheon. But I wonder, as he was reflecting with our pastors who were gathered there at Inspired Church a couple months ago, he says, I wonder what would have happened if I did not take a stand. If we would have still been locked down, sheltered down forever. And he said this, I think the church is operating in that same manner. Where they're sitting down when they should be standing up. Not letting the enemy take it to them, but taking it to the enemy. I remember having a uh, conversation with Pastor Norman. This is, I remember, before we could open up. And he was having a conversation with, back then, Mayor Caldwell. Right? And everybody was wondering what, what would happen. Could worship services, could we open up again for worship services, in-person gatherings? Because I was tired of being online. Come on. No offense to those of you still online. It's time to get your butt back in church. Come on now. Sorry, I said it. Don't put that on TikTok. <laughs> but he was having a conversation out of that meeting with me and I believe Pastor Billy in, in, in my office. And he says, you know what? Um, I talked to Pastor Kevin York, who's our executive director over our Every Nation family of churches. And he has spoken to the legal team that guides our Every Nation family. And we, I have spoken to our attorneys, 
And if nothing changes and we are still sheltered in place and we are not deemed essential to society, I'm going to take on the governor. And I'm going to take on the mayor. I said, okay, boss, uh, you the boss, make sure you sign the documents and not me. <laughs> I said, no, sir, whatever you want. I'll call my attorney friends. We'll start doing some in informational gathering to see what we need to do. And our Every Nation legal team said, we'll help you. And then lo and behold, how many remember Mitch Kale? The man who sued uh, churches that were meeting in educational institutions and who made a lot of money. Uh, his attorney somehow caught wind of it. And he contacted our attorney. He says, you know what? I was used previously to sue the church. Now I'm going to actually help the church. And if you need help, I'll help you. And Pastor Norman said, it's time to take a stand. And we were that close to taking on the state of Hawaii. But then God moved because all of you prayed. And God moved on the heart of Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. God moved upon the heart of Mary Caldwell. And there was some reversal of decisions. And we were able to regather but what would have happened if we did not take a stand? What would happen if you do not take a stand in your family, in your community? What would happen? And I think sometimes we're letting the enemy take us out and God said, no, it's time to stand. Put on the whole armor of God so you can stand against the enemy. Well, it's NFL season. Thursday night kicked off the Hall of Fame game. And I tell you what, when football season comes upon our nation, it's like the heavens open up. And so you're going to hear football analogies from now to the end of February. <laughs> so God bless you all. For those of you who don't like football, because I believe football will be played in heaven. Well, Coach Joseph Kennedy, a high school coach in Bremerton, Washington, um, Beamerton, Washington, Bremerton, Washington, excuse me. Six years ago, he lost his job because he started coaching in 2008 and he watched a movie called Facing the Giants. And he was so inspired by the movie, movie that he made a decision that after every football game, he would thank God and invite God into the atmosphere of the game of football. And so he started out by himself at the end of the game, kneeling on the 50-yard line and praying by himself. Pretty soon, win and the news got out, and other football players and students started to join him. And his school and the school district, they were, they were not pleased because they felt it was a violation of church and state. And so they went after him. Pretty soon, they put him on leave, and they didn't renew his contract. So he finally said, it's time to take a stand. He took it up with the Ninth Circuit Court. But unfortunately, they ruled against him. He took it up to the Supreme Court. He said, enough is enough. Prayer is being taken out of schools. It's time to put prayer back into schools. God is being taken out of schools. It's time to put God back into schools. And he wasn't inviting the students. The students were coming by their own volition. But he wanted to set a tenure. He wanted to set a tone. And so finally, took it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And he won. He won. He won. Now, these are spiritual victories through and seen through legal political conduits. But what is the lesson? The lesson for all of us is that God's people must stand and fight, just as Ephesians 6 tells us. But it begins with prayerful encounters with the Holy Spirit. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood on our own devices, on our own intellect. But we wrestle with the power of God, with the power of God on our side. And I believe, people of God, this prophetic message to all of us. It's time to get our mojo back. 
It's time to put God back into our lives. It's time to refocus us. It's time to live with a greater sense of urgency. As the Bible says, redeem the time. Life is too short. Our life is just but a vapor. And I want to make sure that Pearlside Church, we as believers and followers of Christ, leave a legacy on this earth that we are passionate, we, are, we, have, we live in fervency, and we live with the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear amen? Can I hear a stronger amen? amen? It is time for the church to walk with faith, walk in obedience to his word. My question to all of us, including myself, where have we allowed areas of compromise to take our focus off of Christ? To dampen our fire and our passion. Our passion and fire can come back when we re-encounter the Holy Spirit again in our lives. So what are some practical takeaways from this? Number one, don't just talk about what's happening. Don't just point out the negative things in life. Don't just grumble about our leaders Next Saturday is the primary election. And I can't tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you and encourage you to vote. Prayerfully vote. Prayer, uh, vote biblically and not just emotionally and not just even relationally. Prayer according to the word of God. Be in church now more than ever and be the church that God has called us to be. Be in small group. We say this all the time. You can't stand alone. We need each other. We need each other. We need other brothers and sisters to stand with us, and it happens in small group. Be in service. It's time to stop skipping services. Can I go there? Well, I got this. Pastor, Pastor you don't know this. Man, I got to go do this. I, yes, I understand. But we have 14 services every weekend. From Friday night to Saturday night. Right? We got to start taking it seriously. Because God is looking at us. So goes the church. So goes society. So goes the church. So goes society. So goes the church. So goes the outpouring of God's presence and power. I want to see revival again. I want to see people come to Christ. I want to see the passion of Christ return back into our hearts. The fervency to encounter the Holy Spirit once again. To see His power be manifest in our life. That when we pray for the sick, people get healed. When we can take on the demonic... When we can draw lines of faith in our homes and stop letting the devil kick our butt, enough is enough. It's time. And some of you are new to the church and like, who's that guy? What's he smoking? <laughs> you should have heard Pastor Norman earlier. I'm tame compared to him. I think he would have thrown this podium out in the audience. I don't know. But it's time. It's time. We start on our knees, but then we get up and stand. Stand. Pray for our leaders. Don't throw rocks at them. Don't grumble and gossip about them. Pray for them. Even if it's the person you didn't choose, so what? God can change their heart. I was convicted. Trust me. This is not hope. This, maybe you need to stop the recording at this part. But can I be honest? I grumbled about Egan Caldwell for a brief moment until God slapped me on the head. He says, guess what? I put them there. So you know what you should be doing? Pray for their salvation. Pray for wisdom. Pray for my hand upon them and their family and their cabin and their leaderships. Don't grumble about them. 
Woo! Is this hitting home? Don't grumble. Pray. Stand. And fight against the enemy. Not fight against each other. <laughs> fight for each other. Right? We're calling Tuesday. You're going to hear it shortly. To a day of fasting and prayer. Because we need to. The disciples were trying to cast out demons. And they came to Jesus and said, How come you said we could do this, but we, it's, it's not happening. And Jesus told them, There's more greater spiritual authority when you fast, not just pray. So Tuesday, we're calling the entire Pearl Site Ohana to a day of fasting and prayer. Now, if you have small groups on Tuesday, go to your small group. But for those who don't have small group on Tuesday, we're going to open up this worship center for a time of prayer, of seeking God's face and praying so that he may hear from heaven and he may heal our land. It's time. It is time. It is not business as usual. It is time to move forward in faith. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we invite your presence even in this place, Lord God, to encounter our hearts afresh. Lord God, where we may have gone cold in our fervency and passion for you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would relight and rekindle in us a passion for you once again. A passion to be used by you once again. We wait on you, Lord God. Even as we come back into a time of worship, Lord God, as a worship team, it leads us, Lord God, in this song of decoration that you are a faithful God. Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will encounter us. We thank you. Let's all stand.